to whom it may concern. Why is queer liberation still up for debate? Hey guys, welcome to To Whom It May Concern. I am Lizbeth. And I'm Amos. It's Pride Month, the most colorful and flamboyant month of the year. The parade is back this year, which is exciting, and it's the first time that it's going to be broadcasted somewhere. But by the time that you listen to this, the parade would have already happened. Uniform police weren't welcome at Pride for the first time, legally, and there was a backlash about it. But there's a deep history between the LGBT community and cops. That's the reason behind us even being able to be here today talking about the gay liberation movement. Bars and clubs here in New York City weren't allowed to welcome and serve LGBT individuals, or they were in jeopardy of being shut down completely. The idea of gay people gathering in a place such as a bar was considered disorderly. Serving alcohol to LGBTQ individuals was illegal until 1966, when a group of activists finally helped force regulations to overturn illegalities of just having a drink while being gay. Everything else was still illegal for LGBTQ people, such as showing any remotely affectionate behavior towards same-sex individuals publicly, so police harassed people at bars often. And eventually, all this came to a boiling point, which we will get into later, but before that, We would like to mention a couple iconic names in the LGBTQ history. Dora Richter, who was the first known person to get a male-to-female reassignment surgery. She set a standard for research and culture way back in the early 1920s. And Lily Elby, who was also a part of the feud to get sex reassignment surgery in 1930. There's a movie loosely based on her life called The Danish Girl. It received a lot of backlash, however, because Eddie Redmayne was cast for the role when there are many trans actors that could have been given the opportunity. Representation in the entertainment business matters. Christine Jorgensen was born George William Jorgensen Jr. on May 30th, 1926 in the Bronx, New York. At an er- <laughs> Bronx in the house. At an early age, Jorgensen identified as female. She hated boys' clothes and wondered why her clothes were so different from her older sister's pretty dresses, she wrote in American Weekly in 1953. As a teenager, Jorgensen said that she felt lost between the sexes. She was more envious of girls than interested in them. She was drafted into the military in 1945. Being small and slightly built, she ended up working as a clerk at Fort Dix, New Jersey. After being discharged in 1946, she struggled with the idea of deciding to transition to female. In 1950, Jurgensen traveled to Denmark to begin her transition from male to female. The treatment was only available in Europe at the time and included hormone therapy and several operations. Her story became public in 1952 while she was still in Copenhagen Hospital, making big news in the United States. Returning home in 1953, she was met by a sea of reporters at a New York airport. While she never questioned her choice, many members of the public and media did not understand her decision and ridiculed her. Even the government was not willing to fully recognize her as a female. In 1959, she announced that she was engaged, but was denied a marriage license because her birth certificate listed her as a male. Along with performing, she was a popular lecturer and author of 1967's Christine Jorgensen, A Personal Biography. Her life even made the big screen in the 1970s, The Christine Jorgensen Story. She retired to South California in the early 1970s. And on May 3, 1989, she died of bladder and lung cancer. 
Jurgensen's transition from male to female started a national discussion about gender identity, and her story stands as an inspiring example to others who also experience gender dysphoria. And now for my girl, Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson was born Malcolm Michaels Jr. on August 24, 1945, in Elizabeth, New Jersey. She engaged in cross-dressing behavior at an early age, but was quickly reprimanded. Johnson moved to Greenwich Village in New York City after graduating from high school. She was homeless and became a sex worker to make ends meet. However, she found joy as a drag queen amongst the nightlife of Christopher Street. Marsha quickly became a prominent fixture in the community, serving as a drag mother by helping homeless and struggling LGBTQ youth and touring the world as a successful drag queen with the Hot Peaches. Ow! (laughs) Your face. Known for her outlandish hats and glamorous jewelry, she was fearless and bold, despite her difficulties with mental illness and numerous police encounters. She was an LGBTQ rights activist and an outspoken advocate for trans people of color. On June 28, 1969, at the Stonewall Inn on Christopher Street, the hub of New York City's gay community in the 1960s, things turned violent after a few LGBTQ people were arrested on questionable charges, handcuffed, and forced into police cars. They were fed up with being targeted by the police and seeing these public arrests incited rioting and spilled over into the neighboring streets and lasted several days. These events have been described as a riot, a rebellion, a protest, and an uprising. Therefore, some have recognized her as a trailblazer of the gay liberation movement in the United States. The Stonewall riots went on for six days. As an African-American trans woman, Johnson has consistently been overlooked both as a participant in the Stonewall uprising and more generally, LGBTQ activism. As the broader gay and lesbian movement shifted towards leadership from white cisgendered men and women, trans people of color were swept to the outskirts of the movement. Despite this, Johnson and her friend Sylvia Rivera co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, as they became fixtures in the community, especially in their commitment to helping homeless transgender youth. Sadly, at the age of 46, on July 6, 1992, Johnson's body was found in the Hudson River off the West Village Piers. The police ruled she had committed suicide, despite claims from her friends and other members of the local community that she was not suicidal. 25 years later, Victoria Cruz, a crime victim advocate of New York City Anti-Violence Project, or AVP, reopened the case. As I personally celebrate Pride, I am trying to push the trans community to the forefront. A few of my friends identify as trans or gender non-confirming, and I feel like I've learned a lot in the last few years. I came out to my parents at the age of 13, I think, and I was still pretty much in the closet because I didn't necessarily receive the response that I was expecting. My sister brought me around to some of her friends' queer events, and I'm sure they're hearing this. I soon befriended them. Not only that, but I've learned a lot from them and their partner. Most of what I know now is from seeing them living comfortably in their skin, and I grew up into a really Catholic family, so a lot of that trauma is instilled. I was unfortunately very homophobic as a young kid, and I'm still learning from my biases. And I guess I also learned that there's a lot of hate within the community itself, which is really sad. But I just really want to thank this friend for existing. This entire episode is dedicated to my redheaded friend and pen pal who has taught me so much about being comfortable with my identity. I sometimes think about what our relationship with one another would be like if we had met maybe even a decade back. I always emphasize that hate is something that you can learn, but the same way that you learn, you can unlearn a behavior and a bias. 
I wish we all understood that and really sat there with their thoughts and pinpoint what it is that is stopping them from accepting the concept of being different. It breaks my heart to hear about some of my own family members not being able to be themselves unapologetically. And some of my friends were even kicked out and disowned by their families because they couldn't accept their uniqueness. And this is why a huge chunk of the homelessness in our country falls under the LGBT umbrella. Isn't it insane that 40% of the homeless youth is LGBT? This is why I do not support places like the Salvation Army, which, by the way, advertises to help the homeless LGBT community. However, they have a history of being anti-trans and not allowing folks to receive a room based on their gender identity or sexual identity, if they even open their doors to them, and have forced patients to get examined to determine whether they have undergone sex reassignment surgery or hormone treatment. At the end of the day, this is an evangelical Christian organization, so are we really surprised? It's also really unfair that we allow folks to live on the street. I've mentioned in a previous episode that many sex workers are a part of the LGBT community, just like Marsha P. Johnson, because they needed to provide for themselves. It's happened for decades. And again, many of them are getting sexually assaulted, but because sex work is illegal in most, if not all, states, folks don't see any hope for help. A lot of trans folks get killed every year, and 2021 is on track to become the worst year for fatal anti-trans violence. As of today, 29 trans or gender non-conforming people were killed. None of these get reported, and I never see these hate crimes on the news. Have you seen any of them? We only find out about them on social media through other members of the community. And again, like Marsha P. Johnson, a lot of the deaths get ruled as suicide. There have not really been any prosecutions, at least not to my knowledge. And that's obviously not okay. In 2021, at least 250 anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced across the country. We're nearly seven months into the year, and every state except for nine and Washington, D.C. have proposed some sort of ban or restriction against the trans community, making this year the worst year for legislation that discriminates against the LGBT community. Out of those 250, at least 35 of those bills target trans youth and their ability to seek medical care and around 66 of them limit or completely ban transgender kids from joining sports teams. According to Democratic Representative Richie Torres, the state of New York has passed 18 anti-LGBTQ bills, and 10 of those are sitting waiting for our governors to sign into law. That's some bullshit. This has been a lot happening recently. It's very odd that you nationally celebrate Pride now. Is it worldwide celebration? I'm not sure if it's worldwide. I know they celebrate it in Canada and in Mexico uh-huh. during the same time frame, like June. But I'm not sure if it's like worldwide. So let's just say a lot of places celebrate Pride. And it's like, okay, you get something, you get a celebration, but then right under that celebration, they try to go below you and then take stuff away from you. And that's what's happening with the LGBTQ community right now. Like It's like all these laws, just they just happen to happen june out of all months yeah i mean you have you have all of these companies kind of throwing rainbows onto everything and at the same time it's like all these fucking conservative people like hey like in pennsylvania i didn't write this down i wasn't gonna really write it or talk about it because i wasn't sure where it fit in but i guess now that we're kind of chatting like that bill well not the bill but like the supreme court sided with 
fucking um, CSS in Philadelphia that if they want to refuse allowing the same-sex couple adopt, they can. Like, by law, they can deny them because of their belief, which I think is bullshit because at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier too, like a lot of this is because of religion and I think it's really unfair when you kind of force your practices onto someone else. I don't know, because you're affecting someone else now. Yeah, along with what you said, religion really doesn't dictate how someone is brought up. Religion is not going to create a two-family household. If a child is able to have a two-family household, regardless of the parent's sexual orientation or however, whatever their business is, does not affect the child. You learn things. You learn hate just like you can unlearn hate. If they're not being taught hate, they're not being taught the wrong things, then what is the reason behind barring them from being adopted by same-sex couples or anything like that? It makes no sense because I, okay, I, I guess I bring personal into it. My godmother is gay and her and her wife have been together for like, what, 30 years? Something like that. Literally the most nurturing, one of the most nurturing couples, period, that I ever, that I know or, or probably will ever know. And they've literally nurtured so many of us under their wings throughout the years when we were children and stuff. Like they have a lot of nieces and nephews and stuff like that. It was like their second children. And it was everyone. It's experiences you cannot take away just because of your hate for or disdain for a stance because of Christianity or any religious situations. And the laws and stuff, all this hate, like kind of like hate crimes and law. That's what it feels like. It's literally a hate crime, but legally. We it gotta makes get law no and sense. order. Yeah, that law is not <laughs> order, apparently. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in like any previous podcast, but I've definitely talked about it to you because it's something that always sticks with me. Usually a lot of people, I guess also like I've been closeted for a really long time, even though I have come out. And like growing up in high school and like sometime in college, I mostly dated women or like queer people. And I remember, I, you know who I'm talking about, someone that I had as a friend, quote unquote, in college. As soon as he found out that I was interested in a girl, he was like, oh, I didn't know. And then he started asking me questions about like if my family knew. And then he was like, so you would marry someone that was like a woman? And I was like, yeah, I mean, like whoever I end up with, because I when I came out to my parents, I identified as bisexual and today I identify as pansexual, which I also I have another story for that, which is God. But as soon as this quote unquote friend found out, he asked me if I would marry this person. He's like, but don't you want to have kids like you're a woman like you don't have kids? I was like, well, yeah, but we can always adopt. And he's like, oh, I mean, I don't think saying like gay people should be allowed to adopt, though. And this always sticks with me because <laughs> I just started laughing. We, I remember this was in web design class and I was already fucking tired. And then he like started with this bullshit. And I was like, why? Why do you think that we aren't allowed? Like we shouldn't be allowed to adopt. He's like, oh, well, the kid is going to think it's OK to be gay. And I'm like, is it not OK to be gay? He's like, no, but that's not what I mean. Like, it's OK to be gay, but like they're going to get confused and then they're going to be gay. And I'm just like well my parents are gay and like i'm gay like you can raise a straight kid too 
the logic and reasoning behind why he believes that same-sex couples shouldn't be allowed to adopt, it made no fucking sense. I thought it was funny, but yeah, that's my fun story from college. Hearing that again right now, obviously there's no logic and reasoning behind it, but that is something learned. And sadly, yeah, 100%. A, but sadly, a lot of the laws, as far as these people that's in charge of passing these laws, they don't have experience with people that they pass laws against. They don't but, have experience in the communities. They don't have experience around. They've never seen it firsthand. Well, that's the so, thing. That's, that's where hate comes from. It comes from ignorance. You don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. No, that, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah, the ignorance it comes from the lack of experience. And in the same token, you don't have to experience something to understand or acknowledge, be empathetic to a cause. You never have to experience everything to try to understand something. You don't have to experience it ever. Not every human experiences every single thing that ever happens, but you can understand if you take your time and you sit down and listen or just try to listen, maybe you'll understand the perspective, even from outside. You understand it a little bit more and be more compassionate, more empathetic towards causes and life in general. It's not a new thing being a part of a community that's attracted to same sex or non-conforming anything in the LGBTQ plus community. That's not new. It's just been hated just like anything else. Just because it's not understood or an imaginary fear behind it that has no backing. Like a straight white male or... I'm going to say straight white male because, look, they the ones that be wilding. I like it. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking straight, about. Straight white male straight white, Yeah, straight white men, they go shooting places up and stuff, and they're mentally ill. That's not the case. How do we know that? It's like you paint your enemies. Can you hear anything in Elsa? Uh, 100%. Okay, I'm about to stop. But the media, uh, the low passers, whomever they may be, they paint the wrong people as enemies. You're painting civilians as enemies for no apparent reason. We're going to have to come to a conclusion on this. We're still fighting for everybody. And that's <laughs> these holidays, quote unquote, holidays and stuff. That ain't doing nothing much for us. And making money off everybody. Why are you yelling? You're getting mad. <laughs> like, nah, because it's like you making money. Like literally the month come and you make money. The same thing with Black History Month. You make money off of the plight. Then you go underhand. And start passing laws or just capitalism. Yeah, but like it's like, yo. Yeah, everything's about money here. Laws is just straight up two faced or something. Like the law passes and all like politicians are two faced and y'all not slick. The fighting ain't gonna stop. It's not fighting, but like the the revolt is not gonna stop no matter how long this takes. None of this is gonna stop until things are what should be considered normal. What's realistically normal. We don't live in a normal life, in a normal world. We're just told that things are normal because that's what the white people want you to believe. All right, you're getting into some conspiracy. No, no, I'm saying white. <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying like in general, like Christi- Christianity and all that stuff, telling you everything is a devil and stuff like, look, come on. All right, you went on a little, in your word, you went on a tangent there. Um, no, but to get back to kind of like hate is something that you learn. Like I said, I, I grew up in a very Catholic family. I don't really get along with one of the sides of my family and it's because they're very old fashioned and I mean, there's a lot of ignorance on that side of the family. It's not that I'm just trying to start like drama or anything. It's just I decide that it's not good for my mental health. So I just kind of detach myself from that. But 
kind of seeing how they reject anyone that's different. I guess that's kind of what I was taught, especially when I was growing up around them when I was in Mexico. So I saw a lot of that and you would hear like a bunch of derogatory terms. And obviously, as, as a kid, you kind of pick up on that. And now as an adult, I always kind of beat myself up for like being that way because I kind of affected myself and I couldn't be myself for a very long time. I think it's only been like two or three years that I've been finally like really opening up to who I am and kind of wearing my skin proudly. But one video that I really want to just briefly kind of shout out is the reason that I kind of forgave myself after a really long time of kind of beating myself up for being homophobic. And it's something completely different, but it was kind of, it was a video where it discussed being a hateful person and then becoming the person that is healing other people's traumas and allowing themselves to kind of exit that hate. And it's something a lot more drastic. Um, it's uh, by Christian Picciolini. It was a TED Talk. And I think I shared this with you. And it was also one of the videos that I kept. Re I always I watch this video a lot of times, especially when I'm kind of questioning kind of the climate that we're living in, the world, like politics and everything. I rewatched this video because I think it's so powerful. He was a neo-Nazi here in the United States. And he's really young. He's probably like in his late 30s, early 40s, and he just kind of talks about how he was raised into a very loving family, and he was raised by immigrant parents, and he had everything that he needed, but he just felt like he didn't fit anywhere. And he started learning and kind of getting fed like these ideologies, and he became a neo-Nazi, and after, spoiler alert, now he's like not a neo-Nazi, and he's kind of like helping people understand where their traumas cause them to hate other people, which I think it's a really beautiful. At the same time, it's kind of like it's sad because we see a bunch of people like wearing Confederate flags. We know that the KKK is still alive. We see a bunch of like cars plunging into protesters every year now. That's like a trend. So like, again, I think if we were all to have that same mentality. And again, like I said, like if we all kind of sat with ourselves and with our own thoughts and kind of processed and broke down, like what is stopping us from accepting difference? I feel like that would kind of bring us to the normal that you're talking about. But I feel like we're not really all on the same page or at a point where we would all kind of align for it to work out, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes entirely too much sense. People that's listening to this is going to understand that too. But anyway, let's get, let's get back on track. In March 2021, the Arkansas Senate passed a bill that will ban gender-affirming care, which includes and is not limited to hormones and puberty blockers. Republican Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson vetoed the bill back in April, but the legislature overrode the veto. The bill will become law in July 2021 unless a judge stalls or blocks it. Arkansas's neighboring states don't fall far behind. Alabama Senate recently approved a bill that will make it a felony to provide care like hormones and puberty blockers for trans youth. The state's bill also requires school staff to basically out students to their parents if they state their gender or sex is anything different from the one assigned at birth. Um, 
just a, a shot in the dark here. Isn't that mentally abusive, technically? Um, I think it depends on the situation because some kids might be afraid of their parents' um, reaction. Mm-hmm. Some parents might not, especially like this is Alabama. You know the stereotypes. It's very much a red state. I would assume a lot of these parents won't be as accepting as one should be. So I guess in a way, I guess it depends like how their parents act. I don't know. But it's just a really shitty move because not everyone is ready. Some people don't come out until like they're well into their 70s, 80s. There's never a right time to come out. And forcing someone to come out, especially as a child, I guess, yeah, I, might, I just changed my answer to yes. Like, it could be traumatizing. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know. Again, I can't speak for everyone else. But for me, personally, if that would have ha- if someone would have outed me before I was able to kind of come out, I wouldn't have been mentally okay for a while. Just because, like, you shouldn't be rushed to do anything. And yeah, me not being in that community, basically, like, technically, well, no, at all. I'm not in that community. <laughs> Are but you trying like, to tell me something, Amos? No. <laughs> it's all good. Although I'm not in that community, you get no hate from me. And I listen to people. I've seen countless amount of testimonies, which that would cause mental instability for people. So, like, I learn from other people's testimonies. Lawmakers, people that's against stuff for no reason. You can learn. Just listen. Look. Pay attention. Stop rejecting everything. That's how you grow as a person. You listen. Pay attention. You can take what you want from it, but as long as you meet on the middle ground somewhere with people, that's all that matters. A Tennessee House committee recently passed a bill that has similar penalties for those who provide care to trans folks. And keep in mind that both of these treatments are 100% reversible. It would make it a misdemeanor for doctors to provide gender-affirming care to those who have not reached puberty yet. The bill would also require trans youth who have already reached puberty to have at least two physicians and one child psychiatrist sign off on their treatment. So basically, if you get two very conservative people out of the three, and they are like, no, 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 this child is not going to receive treatment because three people in total have to sign off for them to receive some sort of hormone or puberty blockers. And anyone within these states already receiving care will lose it otherwise. So let's say like you're already like three or four months on T, you can basically from one day to the next lose your access to getting hormone treatment. So your transition will stop. And it doesn't stop there. No, no, no. (sighs) Tennessee Governor Bill Lee signed a bill in early May that will require businesses and government facilities open to the public to post a sign that they, if they, allow transgender people to use multi-person bathrooms, locker rooms, or changing rooms associated with their gender identity. Like the other bills, this law will go into effect July 1st, 2021, unless a judge stalls or blocks it. Tennessee Governor Lee has also signed legislation that requires school districts to alert parents 30 days prior to students being taught about sexual orientation and or gender identity. Parents will also be allowed to opt their child out of the lesson. Okay. On June 25, 2021, President Joe Biden celebrated Pride Month. The White House was decorated with the rainbow flag colored lights, and on display was the candle that was carried during the AIDS vigil, alongside a pair of sandals that was formerly belonged to Matthew Shepard. 
Shepard passed away after getting beat, tortured, tied to a barbed wire fence, and left to die in 1998 after making sexual advances on Aaron McKinney. His death would lead to President Obama signing the Shepard Act in 2009, which expands the 1969 United States federal hate crime law to include crimes motivated by a victim's gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. On Friday, Biden started off the celebration by saying, Pride Month represents so much. It stands for courage, the courage of all of those in previous generations and today who probably live in their truth. It stands for justice, both the steps we've taken and the steps we need to take. Above all, Pride Month stands for love. President Biden pushed the Senate to pass the Equality Act, which has already been passed by the House of Representatives, the majority of them are Democrats. The Equality Act would provide, and I quote, overdue explicit civil rights protection to members of the LGBT communities in the U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was also confirmed to the cabinet during this celebration, making him the first openly gay person in that seat. The celebration didn't end there. Joe Biden also named Jessica Stern as a special diplomatic envoy at the State Department for LGBTQ Rights, which was created by the Obama administration. The position was left vacant for the entire Trump presidency. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He fired everyone, everything that Obama did. He he fired everyone. It was actually a joke. It's not. It's real life. (laughs) Which isn't surprising since he barred trans troops from joining or even remaining in any of the U.S. armed forces. Anyway, Stern is currently the executive director at Outright Action International, where she specializes in gender, sexuality, and human rights around the world. Her duties will now include ensuring that the U.S. diplomacy and foreign assistance promote and protect LGBTQ rights globally. And finally, Biden signed a law that declared the Pulse nightclub in Orlando as a national memorial. Some survivors of the shooting joined and surrounded Biden as he signed the law at the White House ceremony. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Like always, we will be providing links where you can donate. This week, we encourage you to donate to Colin Lord. They've been around since Stonewall and have been a huge part of the LGBT healthcare community. They will help anyone, no questions asked, and their clinics offer low to no cost practices, and they work on a sliding scale, so you don't have to worry about spending thousands like you would at most places. We also want to encourage you to donate to the Trevor Project. They provide crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, and all other LGBTQ kids and adults. Please celebrate Pride every day. Generations before us have fought really hard to get here. And yes, we can legally marry one another and we can legally adopt in some states and we can no longer get fired for our identity. But there is so much work to be done. Please welcome others with open arms regardless of their gender or sexual identity because love always wins. Happy Pride, everyone!